Welcome everybody back to the Worst Take Podcast. We got Makana, we got Parsa, we got Matt, and we got a special guest today. His name's Fitz. Fitz, why don't you introduce yourself? How are we doing, you guys? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Jack Fitzsimmons, Cleveland sports fan, Browns, Indians, Cavaliers. It's what I do, you guys. At Browns Wave, on Instagram, on Twitter. We're very active. I co-run it with my good friend Brad. Um, and I'm very excited for this, y'all. Yes, Thanks sir. For me. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Uh, Fitz, this man bleeds orange uh, as much as I bleed red and gold, uh, and I also bleed purple and yellow. We all know that, right, Matt? Uh, so uh, thanks for having me. Uh, not me, actually, Fitz. But uh, here's <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Funny thing is, uh, Fitz actually went to high school with me uh, for four years, the Great Sacred Heart Prep in Atherton, California. What a great experience we had together. But we'd also we'd always talk it up with sports, basketball, football, especially. So it's really great to have you today, Fitz. Uh, at Browns Wave on Twitter and Instagram. That's the podcast that he works on. Uh, so yeah, let's jump right into it. I think what we're, we're going to start is knowing you're a huge Browns fan. You bleed orange. Uh, you know, this team went 6-10 and 10 this year. I'm not going to lie. They sucked. And uh, in my opinion, Baker Mayfield sucked. And I want you to convince me why I should give Baker Mayfield another chance after two failures of a season and wow. a horrible season Ooh. with a bunch of talent uh, in a season that I could honestly potentially could have seen the Browns going far into the playoffs. So give me your uh, thoughts, Fitz. I'm pretty much done with Baker at this point. I think he's a loser. I think that we, uh, we need to reconfigure what's going on, and I think the Browns' offense needs a whole, uh, whole reconfiguring. Yeah, thank you, Parsa. I want to start <laughs> off with two failures of a season. Can we start with rookie year breaking the rookie touchdown record? 27 touchdowns as a rookie breaking Peyton Manning's record. Let's get a check on failure of a season. I'm going to say 14 interceptions. Thing. Don't forget about that. I'm, rookie touchdown passing record. Let's get a check on breaking records. Hall were they winning status. games? No, they were not. They were right. winning games in the second half of the season when Hugh okay. Jackson left. So Here's what happened what's going after on. that great second half of the L- season? Let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you what's going on here, okay, Parson. Tell me what's going on. Give me a first overall pick that has ever had to deal with the instability that Baker Mayfield has. He's going on to his fourth playbook here, you guys. Like, this season, his fourth playbook with Kevin Stefanski, Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens, now Stefanski. Now he has his second GM. You guys, it, you don't understand what that can do to a player. Coming in to the NFL, you need stability as a quarterback. You need that so you can build a foundation around you Stick with a playbook, stick with a message and a guideline to go by to take you deep in the playoffs in years to come. Projects are projects. It's going to take time. We have the weapons. You can clearly see that. Fitz, you have the weapons. That's exactly why I think that even though Baker Mayfield came in with such an instability his first season, the second season, when you got Jarvis Landry on the right and Odell on the left, what's the excuse there? Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens yeah. running a running <laughs> running a halfback draw on on, uh, exactly. on nine is the issue. That's what's going on here. We instability is so much more than you are than you are you are putting it. You cannot put a quarterback into a team two years in have two GMs four head coaches. This I is what's you, going Fitz, on. You're right. It's, I mean that's pretty rough. So so I guess in response to. Obviously, this season didn't go as well as I think both of us would have wanted and thought, you know. But uh, let's let's put our sights on, you know, next season and kind of look. Tell me, tell me how you think Baker Mayfield's gonna excel on this team with the roster that they have and how Odell is gonna turn around his 
a big drop off year he had last year, and I think that whole receiving core had a pretty bad year. Parson, uh, uh, can we get a Jarvis Landry Pro Bowl 2019 check? <laughs> 2020, 2020 Pro Bowl or Jarvis Landry? And here's what people don't realize: Odell gets so much scrutiny for being a loud guy in the media, but did you hear him talk this year? Because he was injured. He was fighting his ankle injury that happened in 2017, coincidentally, against the Browns in the preseason. Brian Body Calhoun knocked him in the ankle, messed him up, and he's still been fighting that to this day. You get a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. coming back with a Baker Mayfield who has proven this offseason that he's changing his mentality with talking to the media, talking back to fans. He's done with that. He's a young quarterback who is learning how to play in this league, you guys. He, give him time. Give him stability. He has a coach now who's very well respected by players. I've Kevin Stefanski, the former offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs has talked great about him. Kyle Rudolph talked great about him. Dalvin Cook, all great players, have said so much. So have given uh, Stefanski so much praise. So, so if they go six and ten next year, are you going to give me the same response at the end of the season, or is it going to be kind of not? Like- Absolutely okay. not. Okay, so you're saying now is the time. This season is the time. It's known. This next Parsa. season. Three years is what you have to give a quarterback until you can. I mean, fully I don't disagree that. with the three-year thing, but I'm just saying when you're surrounded by that many weapons, you know, like you're talking like a Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson as early as they are in their careers doing what they're doing, you know. So. <laughs> Wait, can, can I can I put my like thoughts on Baker May- Mayfield real quick? Yeah, I'm yeah, so the positives of where he's at right now, he dealt with horrible coaching, mm-hmm. horrible coaching. Um, Hugh Jackson was not good. He was terrible from the start, and then he dealt with him for, what, the first half? Most of the year. Like It was like 11 games, right, in uh, Baker's rookie year? Yes, sir. Okay. And then who came in as the interim coach that year? Greg Williams, who was okay, a defensive so, coach. And he's the guy that did the Saints bounty. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you Very know he's not. So, so that's a terrible first year. And then Freddie Kitchens. Anyone that watched Hard Knocks, you could see that Freddie Kitchens looked like he had no idea what the hell he was doing. Um, he was in over his head and then Dorsey, it was Dorsey's first draft. He takes Baker with the first pick, correct? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he, and he left last season. Uh, he was actually, yeah, he was, he was fine. Well, like they, they like mutually agreed or whatever that they were going to part ways. That's what they said, but he was fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so that's terrible to start. And like, even if you have weapons, if you don't have a good coach, it doesn't really matter. It's a um, coach's league. Everyone knows it. Yeah, you look at guys, teams that are good, but I don't know. Coach, coaching's like if you're playing with Odell, yeah, but coaching, coaching's gonna be way more important than that. You're now, right. The, you're right. I just had such high hopes for the Browns that I felt well, like I mean, I still have I, problems I really, with Baker. I still have problems with Baker. One, he was very inaccurate last season, and was. that's like what what makes him good. He's short, and if you're short, you have to be accurate. Look at Drew Brees. One of the most accurate like passers ever. And, yeah. Like all the guys that are short, it's because it's a lot harder to get passes off if you're short. You have to be very accurate. Baker was accurate in college, and he was accurate his rookie year, but he was not accurate last year, which is weird because usually, now that could definitely go up, but usually you don't see like just overall accuracy drop. Um, the other thing is, I think Odell, I don't know. Odell is very concerning to me, and it's not. I understand that he's been hurt, but that's the concerning part. Like, he's been hurt his whole career. Like, that's part of the reason. He didn't start at, in his rookie year right away because he was hurt. Like, he's always been hurt. So I don't know, like, how, depend- how dependable he is as, like, your guy. 
Now they got Jarvis, which is good. They signed Hooper, that's really good. They have Njoku. They have they have good players. But so even if Odo doesn't like add up, like it's still a little bit concerning that like okay, like the guy that he's supposed to be like his constant the constant guy he's throwing to is gonna miss a lot of games probably over the like the course of his career. Um but I don't know. I think that Baker, the real, the real only concerning thing I have with him is his accuracy. I think that there's a lot of reasons why he's struggled, though, and it's not really up to him. So that's yeah. my thoughts on it. No, I'd love to go off of what you said, starting with Baker in college. So we look at Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley, one of the greatest offensive college coaches we have seen, in, at least in my lifetime, one of the greatest. Mm-hmm. He produced back-to-back first overall pick Heisman winning quarterbacks. What are you even going to say about yeah. that? He clearly runs an amazing culture over there that thrives with the quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts also had an amazing year this year, sleeper for the Heisman. So well, it was yeah, like almost three peated on on Heisman. Yeah, and he and he moved up his stock a lot. Like he might be, he'll probably be picked in the first two rounds. No doubt. Like no doubt. and his his pro day was good. Like he prepares him for the NFL too. That's what's important. No doubt. Um, can I get my thoughts out on Baker? Yeah. All right. So. When I was watching Baker in college, I thought he was pretty good. Um, I really? thought he should have yeah, I, I thought he was I I thought he should have been the number 1 overall pick. Mm-hmm. He was good for the Browns. I thought they made a great pick. Mm-hmm. Um, then they had the whole Tyrod Taylor starting at the beginning of the year thing. Um, his rookie year and then when he came in, he, they finished the season really well. They yes, almost they beat uh well actually they should have beat the Ravens um yes, their rookie should've. year if they hadn't if the refs hadn't blown the game for them by yep. not allowing a return fumble touchdown at the goal line, people forget about that. Um, they would have beat the Ravens when the Ravens clinched that playoff spot when they won like six, seven of the last eight games. Like they were a phenomenal team to end that year. Then what do they do? They have Freddie Kitchen calling plays. Well, when Freddie Kitchens knows two plays, four verticals, and halfback draw on the goal line, like what the heck are you supposed to do? Odell Beckham Jr. is a volume receiver. He needs those targets. But when Baker Mayfield is dropping back with an O-line that isn't giving him enough protection and he's not able to make those throws to his wide receivers, it's not going to work out well. And, Parsi, you brought up guys like Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Those guys have phenomenal defenses. And Deshaun Watson Very has true. DeAndre Hopkins. Um, had. Yeah, yeah. yeah but let's, But, but... but. But but Baker Mayfield has Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis He's, Landry. No, but those two guys are nowhere near Okay, Hopkins. but two Pro Bowl wide receivers that already have chemistry because they know each other and they played with each other. Mitch Trubisky so, made the Pro Bowl. That doesn't mean a ton. Like, Jarvis Landry is a good receiver. Odell Beckham Jr. is a very good receiver. I think he's top six in the NFL. I think yeah, I think Jarvis is. Landry's talent level, though, is a great receiver. You know what I'm saying? I think that like he has potential to be a... Yeah, but they're both receiver. volume he's guys. A, he's an elite playmaker, yes. Jarvis yes. Landry is a volume guy. On yeah. the receptions level, Odell, it's kind of tough to find his value right now because you look at a team that kind of was just thrown together in an offseason with so much hype, there was kind of just this assumption that it was all going to work out. But then you have Odell working with Kaepernick in the offseason. And you're like, yo, you have a new quarterback to get chemistry with. What are you doing out here? Odell is, he's going to be, he was very humbled last year, and so was Baker, frankly. The whole entire Browns organization was humbled. Because they haven't had hype like that in. Since That's a fair perspective. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I would also say that the hype was also, in a sense, deserved. I mean, they had a pretty damn good roster when you looked at them on paper. Oh, totally. I bought yeah. it. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would fall, say the I defense was really good too. Year. 
Yeah. Um, I did not fall into the trap of thinking that they were going to be very good. I thought that their ceiling last year was going to be about eight and eight. Um, I ended up being right on that. And that's because you need an offensive line. Yes, we do. Um, They built a roster like they were playing Madden, where (laughs) you can just throw in three really good offensive players. You got Nick Chubb. You got add in Kareem Hunt. You get Odell. You get Jarvis Landry. You have Baker Mayfield. Boom. Madden, great team. But in real football, you need that offensive line. You need the defensive pieces that are going to be able to help certify you. And it doesn't help when Miles Garrett gets suspended. Um, free Miles Garrett. Yes. <laughs> I'm in the free Miles Garrett hype train. Um, <laughs> he got um, reinstated, right? What? Yeah. He got reinstated, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. He's, he's all good? Board. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think this year they're going to be a lot better. Um, also, I don't know why people have written off Odell Beckham Jr. I wrote an article on it, like, don't write him off, because he is dealing with injury, and also he needs a the right system to play in. Like, in New York, he was an extreme volume receiver, and that's why he was so good. Whereas Baker Mayfield this season, it's almost like he, he wasn't really trusting him like he should be with an elite receiver, and that's because Baker deal with so many drops. Yeah, no. What I'm what I'm gonna say about that is, I I would say it's 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 less about trust, but more about forcing, because yes. he's like, oh my gosh, I have Njoku, Landry, Odell running down the field. What I like, it got personal to me. That's how I see it. I I see it as it got personal, and he made tough decisions in point two seconds, which is what you have to do as a quarterback, and. He couldn't find him at times. He forced the ball to Odell. When you force the ball, it's not going to work. When Baker threw the ball in, in under 2.5 seconds, he had one of the best completion percentages in the league. That's basically what it comes down to. You get on the O-line, you get an off-season of training with him, not Colin Kaepernick, and it's going to work <laughs> out, you guys. Like, it's going to work out. I mean, I hope it does, but, but also at the same time, I feel like you know when you're surrounded by all these great players – McConnell is right. It isn't like Madden, but at the same time, uh, if you put like it isn't like Madden because football isn't like basketball. You can't just put like LeBron on AD on in the starting lineup, and then the team is just insane. But I feel like Baker's accuracy was lacking, and Odell's explosiveness was also lacking. Uh, do you agree with that, Fitz? What's your take on that? I think they were just they felt off. It just felt well, off, they, and I think yeah, they, the no. reasons we can talk about. But I just feel like literally, if you take the coaches away, if you take everybody away, and just put the throws that they could have made that they didn't complete that could be attributed to them, they didn't make as many of those plays as they should have, in my opinion. It's chemistry, injuries, and system is what it comes down to. You need a stable franchise that will have a playbook that everyone buys into. A playbook and a playbook that people could buy into and really understand at the very beginning. Because when you have a guy in 2018 like Hugh Jackson who gives this false message and false false dream of what's going to happen then leaves and goes to the other sideline on the Bengals mm-hmm. um, and you have a guy like Greg Williams come in and you succeed then Dorsey just fires him says skedaddle it's what is Baker going to believe at this point he doesn't know what to believe you, you need trust in the league it's an O-line league it's a coach's yep. league and then you build foundation around that yep for sure uh, Matt um, McConaughey do you cool, guys have anything it, more to ask yep yeah, the cool thing with like bringing up the O line is, they got they signed Jack Conklin. I thought that was that was like one of like the deals that I was like, oh wow, that's like a really big move. Yes. And it wasn't really reported much, you know, because he's an offensive lineman. Now he is the tackle, 
so that's a lot more important than a guard or a center. But they got a good offensive lineman in free agency, which is kind of weird. You don't see that that much. Um, they also signed Austin Hooper, who, when I wrote a free agency article a while back, like of where guys might end up, I think I included the Browns. And I would, because it was very clear that um, Atlanta wasn't going to try to retain him. He was really good last year. Hooper yes. is a and, stud. Yeah, I don't know how he just wasn't co- like coveted by Atlanta. They have an old, aging offense. He's like 25 or 26. Yeah. I'm pretty sure him and George Kittle are the same age. He's been in the league longer, but they're the same age. Mm-hmm. He's one of the top five Titans in the league for sure. I don't really think you could make an argument that he's not. He's young. Their offense is young. I mean, they also have David Njoku. Kind of yeah. wondering, do you think they're? Do you think they'll trade him? Uh, no, it's... I do not. Uh, the reason for that is honestly, off the top of my head, I cannot remember the tight end number two for the uh, for the Vikings. But Stefanski's a big two tight end set guy. So oh, I Rudolph and Rudolph and Irv Smith. Ir- Irv Smith, exactly. Thank you. Um, so you have Rudolph and Irv Smith end zone run plays. That's it's going to work. You have Njoku, who is so good. This offense is so stacked. It well, so Njoku was also hurt last year, right? Like almost yeah. the whole. Yeah, he was hurt last year. Yeah, yeah, he was hurt last year. Um, Fitz, I have and, a question for you. Yeah, I love what's the bigger um, acquisition, Conklin or Hooper? Conklin. So yeah. here's why. O line. We've been talking about it. O line is the foundation you need. Help Baker out. It'll help everyone else out. It makes the job easier for the coach. Makes the job easier for the running back. And dare I say, give. Nick Chubb, top three back in the league, an elite O line. It's over. That's a two K season if I've ever seen it. Easy. I think that I think that Nick Chubb is really good. If I you think get a good O-line, I think he's top five. Stuck. Yeah, I think Nick yeah. Chubb is top, 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 top three, not yeah, top, top three. three. Top okay. Five. Here, okay. Here's what I put. Here's what I put over him. I put yeah, McCaffrey. That's the origin you bleeding out, Fitz. I, I'd go top five, but I also wasn't as high on him coming into the year last year. So like that's a like not like I didn't think he was gonna be good, but I didn't think he was gonna be like. I mean, he was a second rounder. He's not like a super high pick. I mean, that's good for a running back, but like, I didn't think he was going to be that good last year. So that I, was, I'd put him really four. Impressive. I'd, I'd probably put him I want to hear you guys. Your guys, uh, top five. I think it's McCaffrey, Zeke, Saquon, Ooh. then Chubb, then Henry. Ooh, okay. You put him in okay. front of Le'Veon too. Actually, yes. I might. I might have to put Chubb. Huh. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of like reasoning. I think. He might not be top five. Okay. Oh, my. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so, McCaffrey definitely. I think you ca- McCaffrey is definitely the best back in the league. Um, I mean, he can do everything. He's a receiver, too. Like, he's just a monster. He plays on a horrible team, and he puts up crazy numbers. Um, two, probably two and three would probably be Saquon on Kamara. People just really like to sell out Kamara's year. Kamara was hurt all year. He could barely run. He even said that recently. Like, yeah, I couldn't run last year. I'm going at like like 75%. Um, he was the most explosive player in the league for his first two years. So Saquon, we know how Saquon is. Saquon plays with an awful offensive line too. He was all, he was hurt last year. Um, and I'd probably put Henry... Hen- okay, here's why. Okay, I'm gonna put Henry and Zeke in front of him as well. But you gotta hear me out. And this might just be not watching Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb not having a good O line around him. The reason why those two, those two are probably my favorite running backs just to watch. Every single game, both those players have a drive where they're unstoppable and they score a touchdown every single time. That's the only reason the Cowboys win a lot of games. Like from an offensive standpoint, 
where Bill offense will be completely off, and then Zeke will turn it on in like the third quarter and take eight carries and score, go 75 yards total in the drive for, and get a touchdown. And and Henry does the same thing. And Henry was the most dominant player at the end of last season. And he barely beat Chubb out for the rushing title. So barely. that's true. See, that's true. So I also think it's really close, though. It's very close. Here's how I see it. To a lot of people in the newer generation might not necessarily understand Chubb's running style because it has a lot to do with Walter Payton getting downhill, a big power mm-hmm. back that really has very underrated speed. Very, very underrated yeah, he, Chubb he is takes so off. fast. When he takes off and he points downhill, much like Derrick Henry, who I have at number two, I have McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Chubb. And the reason behind that is Derrick Henry, you point him downhill, give him two yards, it's over. He, if he puts his shoulder down, he's dropping seven yards. Like, it's it's serious. McCaffrey is such a diverse and multi-dimensional back. You, there's really not much you could say about that. But Chubb, it's also people did not really, really watch him. I mean, if you get – he was poking through the smallest little holes this year, the A and B gap, poking through, jabbing through. He is so underratedly shifty and fast – and he's very quick. How I see it, honestly, is you look at Saquon, who also had a bad O-line and kind of a bad franchise look in the, in the last year. Saquon is so talented. I know that Saquon, you could say, is more talented than Nick Chubb. I'm totally fine with that statement. But he was hurt. I didn't see him enough this year. He didn't produce enough for me this yeah, year. We didn't see Nick him Chubb almost had the rushing record. So I have Chubb yeah. at three. He's the second best back in the AFC. That's how I put it. I, I kind of would actually have to say, I think that, you know, you talk about Saquon more. The reason I really like, I don't know. I had Saquon too. You also have to realize, like, all these guys are, like, super close. Like, they're all very good. Very I think McCaffrey close. has, like, a like a notch on everyone, and I, then I think it's super close after that. But the problem with Saquon too is Saquon does not have the best vision for a running back. He misses a lot of runs. He misses a lot of holes, and they kind of are like, oh, it's the O-line. He did that at Penn State, too. Now, he was so athletic, he'd miss a hole, make three guys miss, bounce outside, and score a touchdown. But exactly. he doesn't, you can't do that as much in the NFL. Yeah, you uh-huh. can't. Chubb is, has great vision. Great, he didn't play with a good offensive line, and he got th- like, and if he makes one guy miss, he's fast enough where he'll take it to the house, he'll which is only a few house, guys can do that. He has proven from 80 yards out. He'd have the longest touchdown of the year this year. Yeah, um, one touchdown. thing about Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb did get to play with the offensive pieces that are true threats in Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, whereas Saquon is playing in an offense with a rookie quarterback that people thought was drafted too high. People were, I mean, they ended up like, obviously Giants fans now love Danny Dimes, you know, all about that. But like defenses, like you're not afraid of Danny Dimes. You're not. And Evan Ingram was injured a lot of the year. And come on, Sterling Shepard. He's all like, right, is right. he like a true number one like threat? Like no, you Sterling go Shepard's and play the Giants. Too, yeah. All you have to do is just stop Saquon and you win by a lot. Right. Like, yeah. and he'll still put up really good numbers when he's healthy. Like when they're just only stopping him, and that's why that's why I think he's better than Chubb. But I think it's no, obviously that, very close. That, yeah, I'll put very, Chubb that, No, that's a very fair argument. But to me, it's what I saw last year: the production Chubb produced, Saquon didn't produce. I'm saying what I saw last year, number three back in the league. That's fair. Yeah. All right, do we want to move on to uh, the Cavaliers? Yeah, I say we move on to the Cavs. 
Yeah. Uh, so what what I what I'm what we're all curious first, Fitz, is like obviously the Cavs suck, and I can say that to your face without you getting mad at me. Yeah. Uh, which I wasn't able to do when we were in high school because, you know, the boy LeBron Bron bring a chip home. But uh, so uh, here's the deal: like the Cavs suck. How do you see their future and like what's going on right now and what front office, bro? Like what's You've going on? You've been waiting to say that. I'll tell you right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. This is a five-year project. This is a five-year project, and I'll put it this way: LeBron James Jr. We're <laughs> we are sitting back in our grandpa chair. I'm leaning back. I'm just waiting for him. You know it's going to be lottery for the next four years. That's what happened the first time LeBron James left. We went lottery, 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 lottery. That's how it's going to be. I'm sorry. We don't have the franchise. We don't have the city. We don't have the accolades to build pieces, attract free agents. This is how it's going to be. We're going to go lottery top five picks for the next four years. Then LeBron James Jr. comes. We're going to reach on him. I can promise you that. We'll get LeBron back for a farewell tour year. It's all said and done. It's LeBron James Jr.'s team at that point. Wait, yeah, you think Bronny LeBron, isn't wait, even that wait, good. You think LeBron's going to come Whoa. back to Cleveland? Like, like, Bronny isn't even, like, the best player in, like, their year. But he like, his, he, he'll get bigger, though. No, he'll, he'll get, bigger. get bigger, but, like, like... Bronny James is not a LeBron James. Like LeBron no, James, not. no one is LeBron James. No, exactly. But like, you, you can't you just draft him and think that he's gonna right turn your team around. Like, oh, that's why I'm saying we're sitting back and we're waiting for him to come because right now he's 14 and I don't want to hear anyone critique him because he's just hooping, having a good time with his team. Also, being a stud sixth man as a 14 year old. That being said, what's going on here is. Whatever team that drafts LeBron James, LeBron James Jr., you know has real estate and free agency with LeBron that year. That's true. That being said, he, LeBron's not going to Orlando. He's not going. He's not yeah, but going LeBron, any- but LeBron's not going to go to Cleveland again. Cle- LeBron's going to yes, stick around in LA till yes, his, he his career. Dude, he would. Nope. He would go to Cleveland and play with his son. He definitely I, would. I could promise on my grandmother's life, who was the biggest Cleveland sports fan, <laughs> LeBron James would. In a heartbeat, go back to Cleveland for a farewell tour, especially if his son got drafted. I don't think I don't think he'd go back without his son being there. I think if, that, uh, I if don't he's think going he'd go back a, unless his son was there. If Guys, it's a farewell you, tour, like LeBron's not gonna be LeBron. Like it's not gonna be utter dominance if LeBron's in a farewell tour state of mind. I disagree. Like, I don't think LeBron will ever be in the league as a non-dominant player. Then why would he have a farewell tour? Like, he wouldn't announce that it's a farewell tour, and he wouldn't go back there. It's different, because LeBron doesn't age. He's a cyborg. LeBron's (laughs) going to have a farewell tour and say goodbye after he holds up his fifth Larry O'Brien trophy. That's what's going to happen. I mean, Kobe was a cyborg until he tore his Achilles. That's all I'm saying, Fitz. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, knock on wood. Yeah, I mean, knock on wood, LeBron's so far a cyborg. But I'm saying all cyborgs experience something that makes them human in their career. And, you know, even players like Tom Brady and in football, like, you still see it. You know what I'm saying? So, but also at the same time, like, from a Lakers perspective, like, I'm surprised you see him so adamantly going back to Cleveland because I feel like he feels so comfortable where he is right now. And he, he, he's, I think he believes that his best shot to win a championship in his career would be to stick with the Lakers right now for the rest of it. No doubt. I don't think he's going back to Cleveland unless he wins a title in L.A. The way I see it is that, yes, he is comfortable in L.A. That's why he's two years out of, his, out of the four years through his contract. What's going to happen is four years later, pieces are going to be going around. They're not going to have the same coach. Things are going to happen. LeBron's 38. 
Things happen. Free agency happens. Times change. It's not all going to be... But if LeBron's still a cyborg, and he's on the Lakers, and Anthony Davis resigns with the Lakers, and they win a chip in the next season that they get playing, I hope, I hope the season doesn't get canceled. We all hope that. But if it does, and they play next season, they win, right? You really see him leaving that, that Lakers team to go to a Cavs team if Bronny James Jr. is not on that team. I don't see why he would go back because I kind of felt like his championship run in Cleveland was kind of like the one thing he wanted to do before he could let go of being in Cleveland. Yeah, that's you know, why he went back. There's, there's no letting yeah. go of the hometown. The way I see it is LeBron is a man that loves writing his own story. You guys know that. He's a man that loves controlling his own narrative. LeBron is going to see it as he's not going to get the same farewell tour that Kobe did in L.A. You all know that. Kobe went five, had five rings in L.A. LeBron goes back home. The vulnerable Cleveland Cavaliers are going to accept LeBron at any point ever. They delivered the first title in 52 years. So LeBron going back would be the chillest and just most wholehearted farewell tour we've ever seen. It's true. It's too perfect. It's the last chapter of the book. No matter what happens that season, and I think it's too perfect. That's what. That's basically why I'm saying I don't think it's gonna happen because it does. I mean, I don't know. I just having if if LeBron is up there, you know, and he like you, I can feel like, you know, he has this plan. Like sometimes it's easy to pick it up from what they say in the media, but I, I guess we both can't be right until it happens. Uh, yeah, we'll see. In that yes. sense, we'll see. I, we'll see. I obviously, uh, am, I'm a Cavs fan, so I have my uh, my bias, but that's I truly do believe that. So, so do you think you say you say this Cavs team has like a five-year process before they get? Oh, back this is this is a five-year plan. Good, so, so is LeBron not going back to Cleveland after the, his four-year contract expires? Will he resign with the Lakers? What's your take? Oh, oh, it really depends what happens. Uh, okay. Sadly, I mean, I I honestly did think the Lakers were going to win this year, uh, which for me I would be happy for not only for LeBron but that makes my plan a little bit more solidified. This is my plan, and I've emailed and lettered. I've written to Dan Gilbert so many times. God, that guy is – that guy kills me. What's going on with, what's going on with this is LeBron is going to do something we've never, ever seen before. And hear me out. I'm going to give you a long shot right now. LeBron's going to buy the Cavs while still in the NBA. Hear me out. He's going to pull a LaMelo ball? He's going to pull a LaMelo ball. You, you guys know it. That's This is not a financial issue for LeBron. In yeah, 2016, course, he course. signed a billion-dollar lifetime deal with yeah, Nike. Yeah. This no, is not the issue for LeBron. He's got bread. Yeah, he's, the got thing bread. That's, he's got bread, that is for sure. The thing that is holding me back the most about my plan and my vision is that Dan Gilbert is still in the front office of the Cavs. That, that what sense. about the fact That's that who wants fair. to live in Cleveland the rest of their life? Like, he's not going to want to live in Cleveland. Like, if you buy the team, like, he doesn't – like, he moved to L.A. because he wanted he his to stay kids there. to grow up. Like, no, I know, but, like, he he's building a new life in L.A. Like, That's what I'm saying. I think he's detached like, from Cleveland. Like, That's what I'm saying. He like, went back to win that ring, exactly. and he left after doing it. Like, he, like, he completed sorry, his mission. I'm sorry, Fitz. Like, he didn't do – like, he didn't I, – I, it's interesting to me because sometimes I have, like, a hard time, like, thinking about LeBron. I'm like, do, is he really loyal to his city or did he just go back because, like, he knew he could win one and then dip and then just have that as his accolade? And, like, at no, the same if time – if, if, his, if his mentality was winning one and then dipping, he wouldn't have stayed two extra years. The front office true. could not supply him with the pieces. 2018, he drags that team with the second best player as Jeff Green to the NBA Finals. <laughs> 
That's what's going on here. Yeah, he has another like he dragged that, chance. But it's not like he dragged that oh, team. That team dragged dude, dominant. Parsa. Oh that team was gosh. awful. That well, that's, team was the supporting horrendous. cast was awful, but I'm saying they played well. They played well. Like when Parsa, you were arguing that Matthew Dellavedova was like the best defensive well, no, point no, guard you've in, ever in seen. That, no, in, no, no, no. Not the best defensive point guard I've ever seen. See, McConnell's really good at putting words in people's mouth. But here's the deal. That's is that Matthew Dellavedova in that finals was one of the best defenders I've seen in my lifetime as a point guard in the finals. That's what I said. So for a point guard in the finals to play that kind of defense, I mean, I hadn't for the first, at least for the first half of that finals, he was insane. Wait, who I mean, were they playing against? Down. The Warriors. I mean, Warriors. Yeah, they played the Warriors, the greatest, without... the greatest roster of all time. So what was Curry's lines? 30, 30, 30, 30? No, Curry's lines actually were. That was 30, the Iggy. Like... That was yeah, the Iggy that was, year. That was the Iggy MVP year. That was okay. The okay, MVP I know, I know, okay. You're talking about. For, I thought you were talking about the most fun. recent Cavs. My, my bad. Yeah. I think. You're talking about the first, the one, the first time they that he took him back. Kevin Love gets hurt against the Celtics. Kelly okay, yeah. dislocates his shoulder. Kyrie gets hurt in overtime of Game One, and yeah, that one. Then, was... you, go, then you go into the next game with your roster being Iman Shumpert, Della Vadova, Tristan Thompson, Mozgov, <laughs> and LeBron. And then Mozgov. Um, but what about the most recent year when they beat the Raptors and and LeBron had like the greatest series ever? That when uh, they had the one where they had Toronto is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. That was <laughs> that was a crazy series. I think that was the most dominant I've ever seen any player. Okay, he would people just, don't it, people don't realize how dominant 2018 LeBron was. This is a player who put on one of the best playoff performances I've ever seen for sure. But mm-hmm. what people don't understand is it's historically great. He had seven 40 point games in the playoffs that year, and out of all current players. In, in the NBA right now, the second most in the second most is Kevin Durant with seven on the career, and he and LeBron had seven that year, so that's just to put it to perspective what LeBron was doing. He was yeah. he was insane, and he did every like clutch shot there was too. Oh my and, god! Like, he had the Indiana. Um, he had the Toronto runner. Oh, that is yeah. Oh my God, that shot is insane. He, <laughs> that is such an underrated play. Obviously, people thought it was tied. It was tied. I don't care. Runner to the left with the right off the glass. Don't what does even it matter if it's tied? Start. It's still a huge it's shot. It's a game winner. This is, like, I, come yeah. on. I'm I'm relaying what Parsa and other <laughs> Sacred Heart. Uh, I'm glad we can agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. Parsa saying dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> McConnell, I think you used the word dumb too much. You got to mix it up on me. Like I feel like fine, idiotic, imbecile. But that's like a little bit too intense. Like you know, well, like, they come be up respectful with to our word. viewers. You know, be respectful to our viewers. Hey, about the Cavs team right now, what do you think about Colin Sexton? I know I'm people are Col- like very. I, I'm actually a him. very big Colin Sexton fan. So what people see that is pretty miscon- misconceiving is he comes to your town, and he'll have a 14 point game shooting 42 percent from the field. But he's progressing. He's getting better. Again, the NBA is also a franchise league. You need stability. You need repetition. You need time to develop. As a rookie, Colin Sexton, there's three players in NBA history who averaged 16 points and 40% from three. Sexton, Larry Bird, and Stephen Curry. Talk about a class of Hall of Famers, legends, the greatest. Sexton is a part of that. People don't realize, like, that's not a nitpicky stat. That's 60 yeah. points a game and 40% from Trey. That's fair. No, I, I was just wondering. I, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of the Cavs. 
just because they haven't been good. I mean, that's kind of how the NBA is. I just don't is. think Colin Sexton's career will ever align with Steph Curry or Larry Bird. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> that's not what it doesn't have to be no, Colin no, Sexton no. or Larry Bird. I mean, of course, it's, it's a notable stat, but I think that, I mean, you see those one-stat guys, you know, all the time. I mean, I think Colin Sexton is getting better, like Fitz is saying, but what's his potential? His He's potential? definitely got all-star potential, like, definitely, sure. I think. For sure. Yeah. All we need is a perennial all-star guard. We have Darius Garland, who's also a hooper, who struggled at times this year. But with development and time, it'll get better. We have a good backcourt. I tweeted when we first got Garland that we got the next Dame and CJ. It did not work out like that. Uh, like <laughs> not I thought yet. it was going to. But yet is the thing. Give it time. Give him time. Sexton is such an underrated defender, too. He, is, he can clamp up one through four. He is That's what's defender. going on. He's he a, really is a good clamper. Defender. Yeah. People forget about Sexton that he almost won a game um, 3v5 in college. Legendary. legendary. One of the greatest games ever. Bama. SEC. Oh, he yeah. went to Bama, huh? He went to yeah. Bama, and like everybody on the entire team got ejected, and they were down by like 15 <laughs> yeah. points against Marquette or Maryland. Um, and this dude just, yeah. 3v5 is just pulling up from everywhere and comes back. They're in the game with like a minute left, and they weren't able to pull it out. But playing three v five in college, that's and crazy. almost making a huge comeback, like that's what put Colin. How Sexton is that even possible? Yeah, dude, he just yeah. like run up, two guys on him, pull up jumper, just like from deep, like it Curry was, range, just knocks it, was, it down. It, it was a fire game, and also another thing that is Avery Johnson, the the, the head coach of Alabama, former NBA <laughs> player, is a very uh, well respected guy in the NBA amongst the league. He is promising to let Colin develop. Let give him time. It's not like I mean all these all these guys coming into the league, getting drafted to these below par franchises, i.e. the Cavs. It takes time to develop. You give them a better player, they get better looks. Yeah. Let them develop. Sexton has the attribute. He has the defense. He has the shot. It's going to going to develop. He's going to get better. Let it happen. People want that instant satisfaction. They want that Luka Doncic, exactly. that Donovan Mitchell, um, Jason Tatum came out of the gates pretty well. But, like, most NBA players don't come out into the league and just it's dominate. Rare. It's rare. Like, That's we've been MVP blessed. Do. We've been blessed by, like, Ben Simmons even did it. Um, let's see. Zion. Zion didn't play the whole year, but, I mean, when he was playing, he was very, very good. But, like, Colin Sexton has had a good... NBA career so far for his age like it's not like people write him off just because I don't know maybe people got something against the Cavs um, because they're mad but like people just like to write off Colin Sexton. No one should be mad at the Cavs right now. Everyone should feel bad for them. (laughs) I agree with that. I mean, well, I think there's a lot of butt hurt Toronto fans. (laughs) So is Colin? Is Colin Sexton? Okay, he only averages two point nine assists. I'm just I'm just looking at his stats right now. Obviously, obviously, like. Stats don't mean everything. Is he like a two though? Like more of a two no, than he's like a one. He he's for sure a point guard, but he has yeah. shooting guard tendencies. It's kind of okay. tough because it's kind of tough because Beeline, the head coach, was kind of putting Garland and Sexton through like a, a kind of meshy hybrid one-two combo, which, in a sense, is not easy to kind of find your rhythm and find find your spot on the court. Uh, so they kind of were trying them in different places. Damn, really. he was beasting before the NBA got postponed. Uh-huh. Yes. He was beasting. Was he went 32, 41, off. 25, 26, 26. Off. And he shot over 50% easily in almost every one of those games. That's yeah. insane. 
yeah. he was also averaging more assists. He was like four, three, six, five, four, five. Like, that's an unbelievable improvement right there in like a ten-game stretch. No doubt, no doubt. So wow. So what about Garland? What do you think about him? Garland also kind of the same boat as Sexton. It's it really he had a lot of a lot of up and downs this year. You see him one game, he'll drop six points, and you're like, dude, what are you doing? He's shooting two for nine. Then I'll have another game where he's really just kind of having his confidence out there. He's in he's in Memphis or whatever, and he's putting up 18 shots. Then, he, then you're like, damn, there you go. You dropped 23 points. He's kind of up and down. That's kind of how it's been for Sexton and Garland. But again, with time, he's a volume shooter that hasn't really found his rhythm yet in the league. Is, so, he, a, is he a true two? No, he's not. That's the thing. He's, he's more of a two than he is a one. Because he's but, small, right? Yeah, he's small. Um... But, I mean, then again, it, it, it is similar to the CJ and Dame uh, situation where, I mean, CJ could go out and play point guard. He's not a natural point guard, but that's what's going on. They're both, they kind of bo- did both in, uh, in college. And, and, I mean, Garland did not have much time in college. He played at Vanderbilt, uh, only played in like six games, I believe. Um, but really how I see it is letting these two, this two, this young backcourt develop. And we're going to see a perennial all-star backcourt developing. I promise you guys it's coming. Sexton, okay. Se- Sexton you, you saw how you pulled up the uh, you pulled up yeah. his game log after the all-star break. You want to know why? Yeah. It's because he went off in the Rising Stars game. That's all he needs is those little th- bits of confidence. You just see the time. Yeah, you just see the time. There's some, you're right. There's just some players who don't jump right into it. I mean, it exactly. doesn't happen to everybody. The only yeah. the only problem I have with the two is that they're both really small, and when you have two small guards, they usually get exposed. But are yeah. they like? But you said Sexton's a good defender, and I know he he's like known for being a good defender. Um, and that's like when you talk about like Dame and CJ. Dame's a horrible defender. He's a horrible is, defender. Is Garland any good on defense? Like, is he no, all right? He's not. Is, no, he's, he's not. not. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. He's yeah, he had a lot of troubles this year. Yeah, see, that's okay. That's the problem I have when there's like two small guards in a backcourt because they can just get killed. We're like, yeah, they'll put up numbers, but they don't win. That that's the problem. Right. And it's fun. We're, we're coming. I into don't the have era a... now when a six-seven point guard is not rare to see. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, that's tough on them. Um, that would be the only. That'd be the biggest concern I have. The not getting like high assist numbers isn't that big of a deal to me. Because we know so many teams have a guy that's six foot eight or six foot ten, that can average like eight assists. So that's not a huge problem if you have a guard that just is like a scorer. That's not an issue, I don't think, exactly. um, in today's game. But the defending is definitely an issue, I'd have to say. Yeah, I think the bright side with Colin Sexton is that even though like people might want to rule him out to be like someone whose potential is capped, you can't really say that because, you know, he's he he's been inconsistent at times, but he's been productive overall, and I think that like he's. He's been a positive, you know, even though, like, his numbers may have not been as great as people thought. Someone who's just supposed to jump right into the league is supposed to produce, you know? You're right. And so. it's also not Showtime basketball, so not everyone's turning on the Cavs on a Tuesday yeah. night yeah. and watching Colin Sexton drop yeah. his 26. That's what's, yeah, that's what's kind of going on. I'm not going to lie, Fitz. I'd probably only watch a Cavs game at this point uh, with you <laughs> if it's already on. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really planning on watching any Cavs games anytime soon. Yeah, but, uh... I think we should make a nice little transition if everyone's good with uh, this topic and move on to uh, our worst take for the day. Uh, I 
guess you guys put it as the worst take. I'm saying LeBron James is the best basketball player to ever play. The way I put it is, if you're making a basketball player in a lab, all different in Damn, bro, you're crazy, by the way. All right, keep going. You're crazy as well. So, (laughs) we're putting a player, we're taking a player in a lab, we're giving them all these intangibles, Mm -hmm. i.e. a 2K my player is kind of how I would put it. You want to make the best overall basketball player ever. The thing that I say is there is a little bit of a different notion with the word greatest. Yes, Michael Jordan, to me, if I'm going to use the definition of the word greatest, Michael Jordan did it first, he was a global brand First to have a, a, the biggest shoe deal ever. What's going on here is LeBron James gets drafted to a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers, gets zero help, is a natural passer and an all-time scorer, speed that no one's seen, can jump, can rebound, gets everyone else involved, and he's been put in terrible situations. You have Michael, who's had Phil Jackson, LeBron, who's had Mike Brown and David Blatt. That's what's going on. You guys, LeBron has the passing of Magic Johnson, the strength of Karl Malone, the speed of John Wall, the scoring of Michael Jordan. It's everything put into one. Yes, we could get into the championships. I know, LeBron, he's lost in the finals. There's ways to explain those finals. I hate doing it. 2011, I will never explain that. That is a choke. That is, to me, one of the worst performances in superstar history, in NBA history, that we've ever seen. With Michael Jordan, you have a guy coming in, 6-0 in the NBA NBA Finals when it's all said and done. Wow, that looks so great, so glimmering on the outside. But if you really look into Michael Jordan's career, it is not that perfect. It really is not at all. What do you think Twitter and the media would do if LeBron retired twice, multiple years in a row? Everyone says, oh, you're retired and played baseball. Yeah, well, I'm a believer that he got caught for gambling, which is against the rule. David Stern said, you get out of the league, and we'll say you're retiring, and you come back after a year. Yes, there was stuff with his dad. I'm not going to get into that right now. But you have a player that, at 22 years old, dragged Larry Hughes, Sasha Pelvicic, Drew Gooden, Zadrunas, Dontrell Marshall, all these guys, <laughs> to the NBA Finals, and plays a three Hall of Famer Spurs team in their prime. He loses that Finals, gets swept. Yeah, he got messed With, up. Yeah, he got messed up. Yeah. 2011, I, I really have nothing to say about it. He choked. That was a great functioning uh, Mavericks team. Jason Terry, all-time three-point shooter. Dirk, mm-hmm. obviously a legend. Mm-hmm. Wins in 2012, MVP. Wins in 2013, MVP. Then you get to 2014. Young man by the name of Kawhi Leonard comes in. He's a stud. Tim Duncan can still play. Tony Parker can still play. Ginobili can still play. Essentially, four Hall of Famers on one team. The best team Michael Jordan played in the finals is a two Hall of Fame Jazz team in 96. So, a four Hall of Fame Spurs team. I mean, whatever you want to say, you guys know. Kawhi's on the path to a Hall of Famer. But... In 2014, you have Chris Bosh and, Le- and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade averaging under 17 points per game. It's the little things that people are forgetting. You need the help like this. Ray Allen was not shooting the ball right. Mike Miller not shooting the ball right. Dwayne Wade, old Chris Bosh, getting unhealthy. It was not working. LeBron was doing his normal thing. 29-8-9. And then comes his Cavs stint. He leaves the, he leaves the Miami Heat, comes back to the Cavs. What I call as since 2012... One of the greatest six-year runs 
we've ever seen. So what happens is in 2015, you have a struggling team at first. They come out, they're 20 and 21. You're like, damn, what's going on with this team? LeBron, like always, has midseason lulls. He brings it around. They beat a 60-win Hawks team. They go to the NBA Finals. So, first of all, in the first round of the playoffs, Kelly Olynyk rips Kevin Love's arm out of his socket. Then, in the first game one of the of the NBA Finals, you have Kyrie getting hurt in overtime. Then you're like, all right, all hope is lost. Splash Brothers, lethal team. They're just becoming a dynasty right now, but you can see it in their eyes. They are a dynasty. Draymond playing at his best. The Splash Brothers are insanity. Yeah. You have... LeBron, who ends up averaging 36-13-9, and the guy who defended him won the finals MVP for playing defense on him. 36-13-9, you guys. Those stats don't get put up in the NBA Finals. He averages that and takes it to six with a roster of what we were talking about earlier, Della Vadova, Tristan Thompson, Iman Shumpert in the starting lineup. Iman Shumpert, when's the last time you heard that guy's name? What is Mozgov doing now? That's what's going on. 2016, which is the greatest finals performance in NBA history. You have the 73-9 Golden State Warriors come in tired because they went all out in the, in the regular season. Go up 3-1. This is Will LeBron owns the real estate in, in Golden State. Draymond situation happens. Oh, well, Draymond gets gets uh, suspended. It, that's why. That's why. Fitz you, Fitz, you can't tell me that rhetoric didn't... didn't... But didn't somehow like help them. Let sense. him finish. Let him finish, Parsa. Let him finish. Let me finish, Parsa. McConnell, that's not for you to say. Let Fitz go at me. <laughs> Let me finish. So you have Draymond leaving one game. It's just one game. He suspended game five in Oracle, which you know the Splash Brothers thrive in. The greatest shooting backcourt duo we have. The greatest mm-hmm. uh, backcourt we have ever seen in NBA history, especially in home in game five. They have the momentum. They got to win that game. They lose game five, which is the greatest duo performance in league history. Braun and Kyrie going 41 and 41 apiece. Like, don't even get it started. That was one of the greatest duo performances we have ever seen in, in, in league history. Game six in Cleveland. I knew it. Every, all of my family knew it. Cavs were winning that game. LeBron was not going to lose in Cleveland that game. Game seven, always a toss up. Anything could happen. The greatest makes the... the I'm not going to call it the clutchest play, but the most iconic defensive play in league history. V-Block wins in 2016. This is for you, Cleveland. That's ring number three. Draymond, that night, goes into the parking lot, calls up Kevin Durant. Oh, we need you! Oh my god, how about Kevin Durant? <laughs> One of, if not the best scores of the modern era joins the greatest regular season team in league history. The Cavs are not going to stand a chance against a 73-9 team that just added maybe the most devastating and lethal scorer I've ever seen in my lifetime. Up with LeBron, Kobe, and... Yeah, don't, yeah, don't forget and, Jacob, baby. I'm, I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget. Those yeah, three won't. right there. And Kevin Durant has an argument in our lifetime yeah. of watching the league mm-hmm. to be the best that we've seen mm-hmm. in terms of scoring. He joins the team, and then it's very—it's so vulnerable from there. You go into the, you go in. Kyrie's not bought in. Richard Jefferson tells stories all the time about Kyrie, how Kyrie wasn't talking to the team for two weeks at a time during the playoffs and finals run. Like, what even is that? Ever since Kyrie hit that shot, 
there's been something in his brain that is kind of shut off, kind of <laughs> turned away everything. He thinks he's the best. And now I look where Kyrie is. I agree with that statement right there. Thank yeah. you. Now look at where Kyrie is. You have yeah. a team that does not have the same chemistry as it used to. 2017, yeah. Kyrie's not showing up. LeBron's putting up crazy numbers. They lose in five. Mm-hmm. Kyrie yeah. says, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to Boston. LeBron goes to TD Garden in the Eastern Conference Finals. Game seven has one of the craziest games ever. And in the final seconds, up eight, has that and one. Jalen Brown arm bars him, pulls him down. That's it. He's going to the finals. And this is one thing that I will never forget in my entire life. One of my good friends, Brian Pika, I watched game (laughs) one. I watched game one of the 2018 finals with him. What happened was they showed a visual. You know when they show the player visuals at the beginning of the game with the (coughs) roster? The picture was the Splash Brothers and KD with the Warriors under it. Guess who was on the right? LeBron James, Tristan Thompson, and Kyle Korver. What are we working with here? What is that? What is that team? I'm surprised they didn't even show Jeff Green who dropped 17 points in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals because he was our most reliable number two guy. You have LeBron that drags that team in a historic playoff run to the NBA Finals. He's not going to stand a chance. He gets swept by one of, if not the greatest roster we have ever seen in NBA history. Now comes now. This was going to be LeBron's year. I'm... Not like I was watching Warriors game or Lakers games rooting for the Lakers, but damn, I saw it in LeBron's eyes, and he knew it. Anthony Davis, the most talented pound-for-pound pound player LeBron has ever played with, he knew he was going deep into the playoffs, and he knew he was taking down the Bucks in the finals. So, so my good friend Jack Fitzsimmons, I have a little yes, wait, Parsa, Parsa. Uh, yeah. Can so I say, can I say one so, thing first? And I think you're gonna hit on it more than I can, but okay, I just wanted okay. to bring up a couple points. Okay, go points. for it. Go for it. Go okay. So, obvious. Okay. First question, are you saying that LeBron's the best or the greatest? What's your question? So are you, you saying, think are, are you saying which one do you which one do you think he is the best or the greatest or both? Th- th- actually, thank you for asking that. I did want to clarify on that. Um, to me, so to me, there's I hate to get into the nitty gritties of the words of the of what goat means. To me, mm-hmm. goat is just the best basketball player of all time. I, yeah. I think of greatest as a little bit of a different thing. Someone could be greater than other people, but someone could be yeah. better. I think Michael Jordan's greater. LeBron is better. Some people okay. have a trouble. Some some people have trouble understanding that, but that's how I stand by it. Okay. And then the other thing I want to say, you brought up the Spurs. Now, the yeah. one thing I have to say about the Spurs is that you talk about, like, four Hall of Famers. They weren't all in the primes, though, and I just wanted to get that through because, like, that is, that is part of the reason. And, Le- and LeBron's team, when he was on the Heat, those teams were really good. And that was when Kawhi was just kind of com- becoming the guy, and Ginobili and Parker and Duncan were kind of at the end. Um, not to mention, LeBron did get bailed out by that Ray Allen three when they won. That was, I mean, that's not him, but like obviously yeah, with, he's without had... Ray Allen, LeBron wouldn't have that chip. Yeah, he would not have incorrect. a championship. Incorrect. All okay, we'll, don't think we'll, so? yeah, yeah, we'll we'll move on with that. The other thing I want to say. And this is what I always get confused about. MJ, okay, here's, here's my problem with saying that, that LeBron's better than, than MJ. Um, MJ always won. Now, I get that I get that um, LeBron didn't have, like, the supporting cast, and he played a lot of really good players. Like, no doubt, he played the Warriors. Those teams are crazy. But if we're talking about MJ, we can't not talk about college. 
because he played against that was probably the best era of college basketball ever. Like I don't think it's close. LeBron didn't play in college. We all know that. But his college legacy is huge too, and he played some of the the best teams. I mean, he played the Lakers in the finals, didn't he? In ninety one. Yeah. I think that was the year. Um, he played Barkley. He played. He played Clyde. Um, Olajuwon. Just so many different guys that he played throughout his career, where. Maybe he doesn't have, like, the, like, and he has some crazy moments. And I think LeBron does, too. But I just think that it's hard to say that he's better just because he's, MJ's won so much more. That that's my problem with it. And if you guys want to hit on that part, so McConnell, but that's, that's my hardest mm. thing. Is that, and he, so, and you can't ignore that he's played so, such good opponents yeah. throughout his career, too. So, so I'm going to say something small and then let McConnell take over. Uh, and Thank Matt you. Pitch in whatever he wants. Uh, all I'm going to say is that I'm very stuck in this debate. Uh, I agree with Fitz and I agree with Matt. And here's the deal. There's a different perspective. You can look at everything. But the problem with is you just can't say LeBron. You know, it's like, it's. I get Michael Jordan might have played with better teams in the finals, but he didn't lose. No matter what his circumstances were, he dealt with them. And I get that LeBron has maybe, when you look at it through like a proper lens, gone through a little bit more in his career with the rosters that he's played with. But they played in ver- two di- very different leagues. LeBron, I agree with you, Fitz. If you made a perfect basketball player in a lab, he would be the height and size of LeBron, not the height and size of Michael Jordan. But to me, LeBron James's body and the way the league is today is very, very like the aggress the aggressiveness of the league has really, really gone away in a sense. And LeBron is like in today's league, literally OP. Like he's just OP because he's made he's this big dude who is susceptible to being fouled every time he drives in the paint. He's powerful, he's huge, he's speedy. So he's playing in a league where he's playing against these guys who like are scared. They're like, they call they call fouls for everything now. You know, I could poke a dude in the face and he squints and flops and that's a fat foul, you know? Well, you so, can't poke someone in the face, Pars. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I'm... Allowed. No, I know, but like, I'm saying... I'm not saying poking in the face in general, but like I'm saying just... Po- it's They've become very soft in today's league compared to like even the league that... Kobe Bryant played for example. So yeah, I'm trying to, in a sense, in my head, I'm trying to, I keep going back and forth, like trying to put them on the same level. And it's so hard because you have to weigh the circumstances, but the leagues are different. Like, even though Jordan played with the better team, the guy, the way he was guarded for his entire career was on another level compared to the players today that, cause, cause not necessarily saying defenders were better back then, but the way in which you can express yourself defensively is different in today's game. So that's uh, well, just my, my little thought about that and i'm kind of stuck in the middle right now i go yeah, back no, here's forth. here's yeah. how i uh, here's what i want to say about that is you talk about today but i mean lebron's been a lebron's been playing basketball longer than we yeah. knew what a tv was uh, 2003 that's kobe that's when kobe he played off. in the kobe era he played he did, in the kobe but, era he played in the stephen curry era and now he's playing in the Giannis era but the and kobe era the wasn't the jordan era either is what i'm saying yeah and i think like it, it, at the end of Kobe's era was when they the, the league became started becoming really really soft in the way in which they enforce even playoff uh, calls. But I'm gonna let McConnell and you take over at this point. I want to hear what McConnell has to say. I know he has a lot yeah. to say, so let's go with that. Thank you, Parza. Um, before I, before I even start talking, I want to say this: LeBron James is the second greatest basketball player of all time. So I do not want to disrespect him at all. Yeah, like course, he's yeah. obviously an all-time talent. So whatever I say, don't think that I'm not going to disrespect. He's one of the greatest, not just basketball players, athletes, it, people outside of sports too. He's probably the greatest person outside of sports, um, like just personality-wise. Yeah. 
But when it comes to basketball, Michael Jordan has to be the greatest player of all time. Now, Matt Matt brought up college. I wasn't going to bring up college, but recently Michael Jordan won the um, ESPN poll and all that stuff about who should be the best college basketball player. He should not have won it. Should that should have been Kareem. Thank you. Should have. I agree with that. I'm just talking about easily. the opponents. I'm more talking about the yeah, opponents yeah, yeah. played. You well, know? One, th- one thing yeah. I really quickly wanted to put in there: he was not the best player on his team. James Worthy was insane in college. James Worthy yes. was backpacking those teams. Yes, Michael Jordan hit big shots. Yes, Michael Jordan was playing games. But I just have trouble arguing about college yeah. basketball that we didn't even watch. He wasn't that even is- the number one pick. Like. Like, it's, it. like, we can't just start saying, like, Michael Jordan was, like, the greatest college basketball player. Come on, he wasn't even the number one pick. Like, he was yeah, third. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so, then, getting into the professional career, um, Michael Jordan was a defender. The greatest guard defender we've ever seen. And that's saying something. That's the aspect to his game that people don't like to talk about. But being a nine-time first team, all defense, in addition to the countless scoring titles that he's won... Um, I think that adds something that people don't like to talk about. The finals thing, 6-0. and Not even going to talk about it. Whatever. What I want to talk about, the more impressive stat, the more impressive undefeated postseason stat that Michael Jordan has is he never lost when he was favored in a series. Michael Jordan always played his best basketball. And if he was better than the other team, he won. No matter what, 24-0. and Never lost a series when he was favored. I think that is one of the most incredible things because LeBron James has been favored in series. Obviously, Mavs, like, whatever. He choked. That that was unfortunate. I'm still baffled at how he scored eight points in a game. Yeah. Um, but um, even aside from that, like, the way that Michael Jordan played was that he always brought his top game. No matter what he was going to play. And if his team wasn't as good as yours, you could beat him. But if you were slightly worse than him, he was going to win. And Michael Jordan has six times he's won the finals where he was the leading scorer in the NBA. Rest of the NBA combined four times. He's the only player in NBA history that is able to consistently be the best scorer in the NBA whilst being able to win the championship. No other player could do that. When Kobe won the, when Kobe was averaging 35, dude wasn't, dude wasn't um, winning the championship. Like the guys that win the scoring title now, James Harden's, Russell Westbrook's, Kevin Durant when he won it, those guys don't win the finals. Like those guys don't even make the finals. But when Michael Jordan did it, he was carrying his team offensively while being the best guard defender in the NBA. Maybe Gary Payton with him at that same level. He did play a couple of championships against Gary Payton. But those two, I think the defense is what separates him in the greatest um, and best conversation. Because offensively, I think you can go either way. LeBron, Jordan, because LeBron's got the passing aspect that Michael Jordan didn't have. He's got the rebounding. But Michael Jordan, he's got the excellent mid-range he's got the free throw he's got um just the driving i think he's slightly better but you can go whatever way you want on that but it's the defense the consistency on defense that he brought to the game yeah no i'd love to touch on a few of your points starting with defense you kept you said twice best guard defender yes i'm talking about best basketball player to ever play we have the most versatile defender ever a one through five guy 2017, matching up. He has to play center. We got Embiid in Philadelphia. Embiid goes 3 for 16 from the field. LeBron has 34 points and 17 rebounds. 
puts up a prime diesel stat line. He can, he's now he messes That's around. Now he messes around and plays point guard. Is lining up against all these point guards, messing around and leading the league in assists. This is the most versatile defender we've ever seen. No, he does not have all these all NBA, uh, all all defensive uh, recognition awards. Yes. In, in the prime of LeBron's defense, he should have won defensive player of the year. He was second in 20, 2012. It was so close, but I don't want to talk about so close. That's not what it is to me. Yeah. Um, uh, I, can yeah. I make one more point? Um, yeah. So with Michael Jordan, um, oh gosh, now I'm spacing. Um, I have it. It's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, I Sorry, you make your point. I forgot. Darn it. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Ugh. That's While Fitz point. is talking, he'll probably remind you. You're fine. Yeah. Um, um, where was that? Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. So um, with Michael Jordan, the benefit that he has is LeBron James is not known for being a regular season dominant player. LeBron James will get to the postseason as the four seed, the three seed, the two seed, the one seed even sometimes. And he'll just dominate. Like, he'll do it from there. And obviously the competition that LeBron faced, like he went against the 73-9 and nine Warriors and he beat them. Michael Jordan didn't have that opportunity because he was the 72 and 10 Bulls. Like, he put together what was then conceived as the greatest team of all time. And that that record was seen as unbreakable. Now, obviously, the Warriors ended up doing it, but they weren't ever able to get the ring because of LeBron James. But in that, after that season, Harrison Barnes, starting player on that Warriors team, he said that the best team in the NBA wasn't the Cavs. The best team in the NBA wasn't the Warriors. He said the best team in the NBA was the Oklahoma City Thunder with Kevin Durant. Like, the fact that someone said that after... Because they came down 3-1 for the Thunder. Like, people forget about that. The Thunder almost went to the finals. And we would have had another... I guess it would be a repeat LeBron James versus Kevin Durant finals. But, like, if someone goes on a 73-19, the best record of all time, it says that they weren't the best. And not even the team that beat them was the best. But the team that they barely beat was the best team. I think it says something. And I, th- I don't want to take anything away from LeBron. Like, no, it, I think he's number two. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate your points. The kind of the, My approach to what you just said is, like, you, you should have your own opinion. I don't know why you're listening to Harrison Barnes, who is in the... In the Dropping 19 points a game on the on the on the Kings, it's <laughs> it's I, I saw what I saw. I saw the greatest performance I've ever seen coming back against the greatest regular season team ever. Yes, there was the 72 and 10 Bulls, but give me the teams that he was facing that were anything close to the 2015 Warriors, 2016 Warriors, through 2017, 2018 Warriors, 20 2007. Uh, 2007 Spurs, 2014 Spurs. He's playing all these teams. With- I mean, he went against the Showtime Lakers. He went against the Bad Boy Pistons. Like, like Michael Jordan faced fierce competition. Like in a more what, aggressive league. Let's in a much well. more. Now, the I mean, one thing I, I want to get away from Parsa. Don't say most aggressive league aggressive. because the hand check not most benefited. I'm saying more aggressively. It benefited Michael Jordan I'm not even because the hand, the hand check, check allowed talk- blow by. I'm not even saying the hand check, bro. I'm just saying in general, we can all agree while we sit here and talk about them. More physical. It has become a more soft league in the last like 15 years. But that helps LeBron. Like yeah, it does, and exactly. and it really but it also on. helped Michael because Michael was so fast, he was so quick that when you got in his face, you got physical. You know what he'd do? He'd step right to the side and he'd blow by, he would dunk. Like 
Michael Jordan, which ben- they both benefit from their league. Like, I don't want to say that the defensive era, like, helped or hurt either of them because they were both benefited. Like, Michael Jordan, if he was playing in this era, he's not hitting those three-pointers like LeBron does. And if, if LeBron played, played in that era, I don't know if he's blowing by guys like Michael did because maybe they're checking the him if, more. I think he could. We could play the if game all, all day. Long. Yes. But all we can look at is LeBron has a better three-point percentage, a better field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage. No, he is not a good uh, free throw shooter. We know that. Michael Jordan hit his free throws, especially when he needed to. That is something LeBron has struggled with forever. And probably, forever, probably until he... Uh, is retired because he's 17 years in. And yeah, still true. People have kind of learned to deal that. with that at this point. Yeah. But what it comes down to is, is everyone saying Michael Jordan is the score, the epitome of just the greatest score. Everyone knows that. But why does LeBron have a better three-point percentage and shooting percentage and field goal per- and effective field goal percentage while being the best passer in the league, out rebounding bigs? Taking, dragging these teams to the finals, playing but, Hall of Fame teams. But Michael didn't have to be an assist guy to win six championships. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, he didn't. He didn't necessarily have to be like to fulfill those stats fits to like get those six rings. And undeniably, I didn't even know that stat that McConaughey dropped, which kind of yeah. blew me away. The but only player, you know, the only player to be able to be a true scorer and win. Like because people when they're kids, you know, Kobe, I want to be like Kobe. Mike. Come on, I mean, no, Kobe. but Kobe wasn't Kobe wasn't the leading scorer in the NBA when he won. I know, but he was still a true scorer, and he like yeah, he shot, no, no, but like the Kobe leading scorer though. He wasn't leading the leading scorer. scorer. Michael okay. Jordan was the best, and he won while being the best. James Harden is the best scorer in the NBA right now. Like at, at points, points per game, we don't see James Harden making to the finals. We don't yeah. see him because you can't do it. Michael Jordan was the only guy that could do it. He's the only person that's been able to make scoring the number one and the number one only and able to win with it. And that's what makes him, like, inseparable, is that he's me, able to, to me, win and the only person. Kobe's not, like, a one scorer one year, McConaughey, and he wins a championship, he can still take the championship with his scoring abilities and, like, yes, that team. Yes, right? I don't want to take anything from Kobe, but... No, 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 I know you're not. Of course, Parsons is out here bringing up Kobe. No, but, hey, listen, listen, but that's Kobe, jo- Kobe wasn't I mean, the scorer Michael was. If we're going to talk about... I mean, Kobe was the scorer he wasn't. Michael was. What do you mean he, was he wasn't not the scorer? Michael was. Jordan averaged over 30 points per game. Michael Jordan okay, averages more points per game in his career than Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain averaged over 50 points per game yeah in one season like yeah. in one season yeah. and michael jordan averages more than that and didn't yeah. win mvp that year um yeah. fitz you want to give your final talking points on this and then we'll probably wrap it up i would love to so for me lebron james is the best basketball player we have ever seen obviously we as in 2009 late 90s babies but anyone has ever seen if you're taking a player who can run faster than anyone jump faster than anyone pass better than anyone while being one of, if not the greatest scorer we've ever seen, we have a guy who's going to eclipse 40,000 points. We have a guy who's going to be top five in assists, top 10 in rebounds. All of these intangibles are so undeniable. Then again, we have small little off the court type of things. Imagine if Twitter was around during Michael Jordan's era. Wow. If Michael Jordan had every single game nitpicked, okay, by but the those are hey, hey, middle those scorers. are more ifs though. Those are more ifs. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's no, like I agree. Same as me saying Jordan could have made more threes if the three point line was more of a thing back then. You know, I agree. Yeah. I'm saying my okay. final statement. I, I, okay. I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. you. I got you. Yeah. Um, Jordan is turned into this. Our society today morphs Jordan into this messiah that really never missed 
But the, the reason mm-hmm. why I bring up Twitter and social media mm-hmm. is because LeBron is the most criticized athlete in American sports history. I, That's true. Muhammad yeah. Ali, obviously, but LeBron James in the major three sports, LeBron James is the most critiqued athlete in American history. You have a guy who came out of the projects of Akron, Ohio, brings a championship to his, to his hometown, goes back-to-back in another place, is putting up stats we've never seen before at the most consistent level ever. You look at his stat line for the career. I mean, it is the most consistent thing. 26 mm-hmm. through 31 since his rookie year. Easy. Easy, easy. And mm-hmm. he's going around, messing around in his 17th year, being the best point guard in the league. I mean, it's as the most versatile defender guarding one through five, the fastest, the strongest. Mm-hmm. We have a guy that we have never and will never see again. LeBron James, I mean, you guys, I, you know I love this argument. We all love this argument. Mm-hmm. It's not going to end. That's the thing. Yeah, of it's course. It's not going to end. But he's aging That's... like fine wine, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, this guy's still aging like fine wine, which is ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, this was super fun. Um, we've been waiting to do the GOAT debate for a while. Um, and it was really awesome having a Cleveland guy be able to make that debate for LeBron because none of us would be able to make that um, anywhere near to as well as you did, Fitz. That was really well done. Yeah, yeah I appreciate um, that. I think it's very clear that they're the two best of all time. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. top two. It's close. Um but thank you all for listening. Definitely um, go check out all of Fitz's stuff. Do you want to link that one more time, Fitz? Yeah, so it would be the Browns pod is where Fitz is, Twitter and Instagram. Br- Browns, and just, wave. Uh, Browns, Browns Wave. Browns Wave, sorry. Browns Wave on Twitter and Instagram. Jack Fitzsimmons, S is a six for Baker Mayfield, six God. Um, I tweet my hot takes every day. Browns Wave, Browns News all the time. Uh, come check me out. Sweet. And again, my friend Fitz, our friend now, thank you so much for coming on today. Yes, sir. I appreciate yeah. you guys having me. Thank you all for listening. Um, If you want to check out our articles, go to theworsttakenetwork.com. If you want to see our Twitter, the worst at theworsttakenet. And if you want to check out our Instagram post, it's at theworsttakenetwork. And we will see all of you again on Tuesday.